Today on Locked On Canadians, we're going to talk about the Hockey Hall of Fame class of 2023. We have some bonus mailbag questions left over from previous mailbags, and we're going to discuss some regional rivalries. And all that's coming up next on Locked On Canadians. You are Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to episode 872. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, but create an account and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. My name is Laura Saba, also known as The Active Stick, and my wonderful co-host Scott Matla is off tonight. Um, I'm recording the Thursday episode, so remember that the Friday episode this week is the first, or sorry, the last, the last mailbag episode before the draft. So please get your questions in. Please send us mailbag questions. It doesn't have to be about the draft. This is the last time that we can have some fun with speculation and thoughts prior to, uh, you know, who we know, who we will know the Canadians have drafted. You can send us your mailbag questions to LO underscore Canadians. You can, uh, on Twitter. You can email them to LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com or you can uh, leave them in the YouTube comments. Just put mailbag question at the very top so we'll know that you want us to bring it up in the mailbag. Um, all right, so now that's that that's out of the way, today I'm just going to really quickly talk about the Hockey Hall of Fame class of 2023. The inductees were announced today on the day that I'm recording this. Um, and then we've, like I said, we're going to go into some bonus mailbag questions that were sent in by all of you. Um, and then some regional rivalries that um, this was inspired by one of the mailbag questions. So I think at first glance, the biggest thing that I noticed about this year's Hockey Hall of Fame class um, is that there wasn't really anybody that I was egregiously upset about being in there, but there are still quite a few snubs. Like, in my opinion, for example, I mean, Rod Brindamore is obviously somebody that um, generally people do have that feeling that he was snubbed. I still feel that it's going to happen sooner than we think. It's probably a little bit upsetting. Uh, somebody that I did feel uh, was quote-unquote Rob, let's say, Jennifer Botterill. Um, it's been a while, right? Uh, and then, obviously, I think the biggest one, I mean, for me, Jeremy Roenick, he's not necessarily somebody that I... I'm a huge fan of, uh, you know, he just kind of a little bit of, I don't know, he rubs people the wrong way, including myself, like he's known to have said and done some unsavory things. So I'm not too fussed. I mean, his hockey career speaks for itself, but I'm not too fussed that he's not in there. But somebody like Keith Kachuk, for example, but really the biggest one is Alexander McGillney. So those are the ones where I felt like, you know, this person snubbed, but sometimes in previous years, I've had that feeling where it's like, oh, this person got in, but not this other person. I don't feel that way. I do feel that these players were snubbed. Um, but I think that overall, like, I don't have too much of an issue with who did end up making it. So obviously, Henrik Lundqvist was probably uh, the biggest name in terms of uh, recency bias. Obviously, you know, Ken Hitchcock is... Um, 
is a coach that's had a lot of success, a big name. Uh, somebody like Mike Vernon, for example, like in history of Pierre Turgeon in this market. And obviously, uh, Caroline Ouellette, a huge, huge Canadian hockey star, uh, very much a Montreal person. So, uh, you know, she spent most of her career in Montreal, her pro career in Montreal. And she just like her international career is astounding like she's truly one of the best players to have played the game uh, and represented Canada so that's not a huge surprise I think like for me Henrik Lundqvist and and Willette are really the big standouts uh, just in terms of obviously based on my age who I've been able to watch play who was around while I started watching hockey or really getting into hockey like You know, those are the big names that I recognize. And so for me, um, I think, I don't know, like it, it, it just, it didn't seem necessarily a controversial class, in my opinion. Uh, it just felt, it just felt like, you know, it's kind of a shame that, that Brenda Moore has to wait another year. And then Mogilny, like to me, is like, it's, it, that's a sad one. Um, and and uh, I think you can also kind of consider uh, in terms of Jennifer Botto, like, one of you know one of our good friends of the show tweeted like justice for jennifer uh i think it's it's been a while and it's past time it's beyond time and we've talked a lot on this podcast about the issues that we have with the way the hall of fame voting works where you can be eligible and it's not that people are necessarily against you but you don't collect enough votes um so instead of having like a full class you just have the people who do get selected who do get the votes and then just like empty slots um which to me i personally don't love it um and then you know there's obviously lots of opinions out there lots of people have said about rod brindamore not making it um or somebody uh you know i mean i think the general consensus is like somebody brought up henrik zetterberg for example like he's somebody who was an unforgettable player it just it feels like because he was on one of those detroit teams that was just so stacked and constantly a perennial contender I think it just, it kind of makes sense that um, it gets lost a little bit. Uh, his his career gets lost a little bit, like in context of everybody that was around him. But if you take it in the broader context, like he is a deserving candidate. Uh, but most of the quote unquote squawking that I've been seeing uh, has been about, um, has been about Rod Brindamore. Um, and, and I wonder if it's just because he still kind of feels like he's like just a recent player. I don't know what it is. I mean, obviously, he's still in the game. He's still building his own career. Like, okay, you know, it just it feels like it's overdue. And it just feels like not necessarily that he gets forgotten. It's just I don't know. There's something about it that kind of rubs me the wrong way. And obviously I'm not voting uh, in the Hall of Fame class of 2023, but you know, at the end of the day, eventually, you know, these players are going to get in. It's just going to be very frustrating for us fans as we wait for that to happen. And just, you know, thinking that this person has been deserving as of the moment that they became eligible. Uh, so why aren't they there? Right. And also, Henrik Lundqvist being eligible already it just feels like yesterday he stopped playing uh so in conclusion I guess it's like it's not it's not disappointing it's not upsetting it's just kind of a bummer that some of these players didn't make it into this year's class uh so what I wanted to do 
for the rest of this episode is pull up mailback questions that we had not gotten to in the past. And again, if you've asked a mailback question and we haven't gotten into it yet, don't worry. We probably haven't forgotten about it. It's probably sitting as a screenshot on my um, on my phone, ready to be reviewed and ready to be uh, asked on the show. And I think one of the ones that I want to start with was somebody who wanted to talk about a potential trade with the Colorado Avalanche. And that's coming up next. But first, this episode is brought to you by Game Time. How often do you try to get tickets for an artist that you love or a sports event that you really, really want to go to and you feel like you've missed the boat? It's last minute, everything's expensive, and you can't find tickets. You're scrambling to get your hands on tickets. This keeps happening, but now it doesn't have to happen anymore because there's game time. Game time has flash deals and it's easy to use, and getting tickets should not be stressful in the least. Game time's the place for last minute ticket deals, so you can forget planning months in advance because the deals are there right up until the day of the event, the moment of the event. You can get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, anything you want. Hockey, the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference, really. So snag the tickets, forget the stress, Get Game Time. You can download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, so one of the things that I wanted to do was hold over some mailbag questions uh, from last week that we received, and I'm looking at my phone in order to find them, and this one came from our good friend Boondoggle uh, on Twitter. Mailbag, Colorado needs top, top six help with their captain out for the whole of next season. That was really sad, Gabe Landeskog, honestly, um, it's it's kind of devastating. He's a phenomenal player and he's one of those people that's a stalwart for, their, for that team. So would you try and trade Josh Anderson there? I don't think the Habs could pry Byram from Colorado, but maybe Sam Gerrard. It seems like a good hockey trade. So one of the things, if you've been listening to this podcast long enough, you'll know that um, on this podcast, particularly with my co-host, Scott has his eye on Bowen Byram He's a player that we definitely covet on this podcast while pretending not to. Um, I think it would take an absolute fortune to get the Colorado Avalanche to part with him at this point. I think he's a fantastic player. Uh, obviously, you know, Colorado Avalanche, the Colorado Avalanche are stacked. Um, there's so much talent, uh, particularly uh, up front. But as a defenseman, I think... I think, honestly, it's going to be harder to get one of their defensemen. Uh, I feel like they found something in the group that they have, but they definitely do uh, need top six help, as you pointed out. So I personally think that if you're Kent Hughes at this point in the season, 
or in the off season, sorry, just before the draft, like conversations are ramping up. There's two, two, two periods coming up. There's a draft period where the jams are all in the same city. They're all trying to either hoard picks or give away picks for immediate health. There's a lot of conversations to be had. So if you're Kent Hughes, you're opening the conversation on Josh Anderson right now with anybody who will legitimately give you a serious discussion. Uh, and it's not to say that we don't like Josh Anderson or anything like that. It's just that his value right now is extremely high. There are a lot of teams out there looking for guys like Josh Anderson, just large, fast forwards that can drive to the net uh, and throw, you know, toss everybody in their way aside, uh, really barrel towards the net, but also can complement the right line mates, right? Like he does often seem like a one trick pony, but that size and the speed at that size uh, is something that usually you have one or the other in the NHL and both is, is hard. And it's not like he's unskilled in terms of his tools. It's just that he's probably not as creative as some of the other forwards on this team or some of the other forwards that quite frankly, the Colorado avalanche have like they're, they're definitely dynamic um, as a team. They're solid. They're dynamic. They, they have room for creativity, but they don't necessarily allow a lot of room to the opponents. I mean, you know, they won the Stanley Cup and the only reason that they, you know, I think they were um, unceremoniously uh, dumped in the first round this time uh, is because they came up against a fantastic opponent. Um, they were tired from the um, from their extremely long Stanley Cup run. And I think they might have potentially underestimated and don't forget underestimated the opponents. And don't forget that they had a lot of issues with injuries last year, last last season. So I think that the Colorado Avalanche is like, it's a very solid team. So whoever they bring in has to fit with all the rest of the pieces and whoever they trade back has to be somebody that they can either replace or will fit as equally good into their lineup. Like, I think that the, the thing with the Avalanche is that, yes, they have a lot of talent. They have a lot of elite talent. They have superstars on their team, but they also have really good chemistry like they fit together the way that they're put together and the way that they're coached the way that they've been developed is really key here so whoever they're willing to part with can't leave a big hole um and so i think the question with josh anderson isn't necessarily like what would he help the colorado avalanche i think like overall the answer is yes because they're, they've got a huge hole in their lineup now with gabe landeskog out there but the question is, does Josh Anderson fit in with their philosophy, their identity, their skills? Does he complement any of the lines on that team? Where would he play? Uh, like, which, which, you know, would he be on the top six in Colorado? I don't necessarily think so. So that's a big question. But I think it's really intriguing. And I think, A, if you are anybody, you're talking to the Colorado Avalanche, just in case, because they've got so much skill there. And eventually, a lot of these contracts are going to come up and they're going to be up against the cap. Um, and even though the cap is rising next year, I still think it's going to be a consideration they have to make. But for me, I think Josh Anderson, like if you're Kent Hughes, you're asking around because this time next year, his value might not be this high. Like he's definitely one of those players that's FOMO, right? Like every GM that doesn't have him wants him. And it's because he's big and he's fast, right? He's got like, he's, he's got a lot of, he's got a lot to add for a team that cares about something like that. Like for me, I really enjoy watching him on the Montreal Canadiens, 
But I think if you're looking at their long-term identity, I don't necessarily think that Josh Anderson is part of that. And they might like him. And I also like, I, I love watching him. I just, I feel like the long-term plans might be different. So now's the time that Kent Hughes should be listening if he is in any way willing to part with Josh Anderson. So that was one of the mailbag questions. And I thank you, Boondoggle, for asking it. Because, like, personally for me, like, I don't necessarily think that this would be appealing to Colorado. Uh, I think it would be appealing to the Montreal Canadiens, though. Definitely uh, on, on the Montreal Canadiens side, it's something to really, like, so it's something I would really think about, right? So that was one question. Um, I also, for whatever reason, screenshotted this. Uh, and I'll bring it up. And it's because... Um, the apparently the top five teams no not the top five teams the canadians the sharks the flyers and the capitals want to meet face to face with matvey mitchkov when he's at the nhl draft this is a rumor that's been going around the internet for a while i don't even know if the source is reputable or not but i think if you're any team that has the potential to draft in that top 10 top 15 you absolutely want to meet with this guy you didn't get a chance to do so because he couldn't come to the combine but he made it a point to come to the NHL draft or he's making it a point where it's, it's still to be seen that his plan was to be there all along. His agent said he was going to be there all along, but you never know with these things. Um, but honestly, like if you're, if you're drafting at all in that top 10 and you're not talking to him because you never know what the other jams ahead of you are going to think like you could be, like he's going to be the best uh, player available at some point as we go through those picks. And at some point, somebody's going to be willing to take the flyer on him, to take the chance on him, to kind of, you know, it's not the geopolitical situation that's the most concerned as much as it is the fact that he's locked up for the next few years and you don't get to implement your development plan on him until he's basically at the age where he should be making the team already. Uh, so I think that to me is a concern. But again, the Canadians have said that it's not necessary that they're going to go that route. But if you're the Canadians and you don't meet with him, you're really, I think you're just doing yourself a disservice. Like he might not be the guy that you want for a variety of reasons, but at the very least talk to him because I personally think there's a lot of value in that. You could change your mind. And I know a lot of our listeners have pointed out that they value the interview a lot. Like you kept talking about how Yuri Slavkovsky interviewed uh, before they decided to pick him last year. And that was a big, there was a big deal that was made out of that. So again, if you're the Canadians, obviously you want to, like, I don't know about the Capitals or the Flyers. Like maybe they think he'll be there when they pick. Um, and maybe they're really, really, uh, they're really, really into that. So yeah, I screenshotted that because a bunch of people were talking about it and I wanted to bring it up. Uh, in the meantime, we do have a couple more questions and I'm going to do, uh, I think, three or four questions that are holdovers from the last mailbag. And that's coming up. Uh, in just one moment. But first, this episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. What are Bird Dogs, you ask? I'm glad you asked because they are literally, they're stretch cocky shorts that are designed to fit you and make you look amazing while also being an incredibly comfortable. Now, I'm jealous because everybody uh, on our network got bird dogs but obviously I couldn't wear them I had to give them to my brother-in-law who absolutely loves them and it's just you know every single day we log on to the group chats all the hosts are talking about how comfortable these shorts are 
And I am just so jealous and so bitter about that. I want bird dogs because guess what? Not only do they make you look good, not only are they literally the most comfortable shorts, they also have anti-sweat wicking fabric and it keeps you cool and dry all day long. You can literally like use that to, you know, go and like take out the trash and do the gardening, but the same shorts will actually carry you to the bar at the end of the day. Like that's how good they are. They're comfortable, they're stylish, and you can get bird dogs yourself. All you got to do is go to birddogs.com slash NHL, and you will get a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash NHL for a free Yeti style tumbler. Full disclosure, I did keep the Yeti style tumbler that I got. I let my brother-in-law have the shorts, but I kept the tumbler. And you won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. All right, so the solo mailbag continues, um, and I will grab a couple of questions that we got last uh, for the last mailbag, but I'm going to talk about them today. And these come from our good friend Peter C., who had a couple of good questions for us last time. So I'm going to start in reverse order, actually, because the first question that he asked was actually, uh, I think, a little bit more, it would require a little bit more time. Uh, so let's talk about, he's asking, new owners in Ottawa. Will the Battle of Ontario continue to loom large or will the battle between the Habs and the Senators eclipse that rivalry? So I think it's really interesting because the Ottawa Senators have been bought by a lifelong Montreal Canadiens fan who happens to be from the Toronto area. So if you're Michael Anlauer uh, and you're a huge Habs fan, do you want the team that you own to compete and beat the Habs or your hated rivals like lifelong hated rivals, the Leafs. Like, and that's this is the thing that's really interesting is because obviously we don't know what kind of an owner he's going to be. Um, and he owned the Hamilton Bulldogs when they were the Canadians affiliate. And then he's also a minority owner, or I don't know how that's going to work, the logistics of the transfer or whatever, um, of the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, so he really... Um, as an owner, I'm not necessarily sure what his philosophy is because some people seem to think that he, all he's interested in is moving the teams um, and selling the teams. Uh, and some people just think that he genuinely is a hockey fan uh, and just wants to, you know, be part of it. And it depends on how hands-off and hands-on he's going to be. Like, I think the selection of his personnel is going to be really, really important. And the reason that I wanted to bring up regional rivalries is because I think that's a rivalry that's been really unpleasant of late. Um, and it could be something really special. I think the Senators-Habs rivalry has constantly been one of those big brother, little brother things. And then, you know, like it's descended into really, really unfun territory. Whereas you could do a lot with this regional rivalry, right? Like it's literally a train ride away. It's an hour and 45 minutes or it's Canada. So it's like an hour and like two hours actually. Um, and, or, you know, or a short train ride or a short bus ride, like Ottawa's not too far. You go to each other's arenas, you can kind of, you know, um, make your presence known there. And there's a lot of transplants in Ottawa from Montreal, right? Like, so we do tend to fill, uh, their space a lot when they play. Um, and I've been at Habs games where there's been like a sizable Ottawa Senators president presence. Um, and it, it hasn't been, it's been, it's been, when I say unpleasant, I mean, it's not that fun rivalry. Like it's very below the belt. It's very petty, but not in the fun way. It's just been like this blah kind of like dislike and disdain. Um, and I think it could be really heated and fun and funny. Uh, and I think, 
I think it's something that um, for me, like it really, it really remains to be seen if ownership is going to have a hand in it. But Ottawa's at this point right now where they were supposed to make the playoffs this year. They made a lot of moves. Um, they got really bold and they didn't get the start that they wanted. But it's entirely possible that for the next few years, maybe not next year, but once the Canadians are, you know, starting to get marginally good, once this core is decided and clicks, once this defensive identity is um, is solidified, like we're expecting in two to three years, the Canadians are going to be fighting for a wild card spot. And they're probably going to be competing with Ottawa for that spot for a few years, unless Ottawa makes major strides forward again. So I think that the era of counting on the Ottawa senators to be hilarious is over. Um, but I, unless they ha- are able to do a large scale personnel change or, and, and they've got some really good players, they've got some really good pieces, but I think they're an incomplete team and they need to build a little bit more on the back end, uh, probably. Like they've got a really good top six. Um, we don't know what's going to happen with Debrinket. He doesn't want to be in Ottawa, but maybe this new owner will change his mind. Maybe there's going to be new management, or maybe he's just hell bent on getting back to the United States. We don't know. So, uh, I all of this to say, this is a really long-winded way of saying that um, I want the rivalry to be fun. I want both teams to be the same level. Either they're both really bad. Or they're both mediocre, they're both competing for a wild card spot, or they're so good that they're constantly meeting in the playoffs. And, you know, without that, like, nasty, like, there were so many injuries. Remember when they put Lars Eller on a stretcher? I just, I, I feel like it's just been, it's been gross and unpleasant, and I would like to see uh, something better. So, um, same, same, same listener, uh, different question. Where will Patrick Waugh land? So, if you were listening to our I think it was the last uh, mailbag at some point last week, probably when the ownership uh, announcement was made, we decided that Patrick Waugh is going to be a coach for the Ottawa senators and it's going to be hilarious. And we were like, please let this happen. You know, what would be even better is if Patrick Waugh became the GM. Um, And then that would be fun for us, not fun for the Ottawa senators, but it would be fun for us. And then finally, this question to me um, is a little bit of, um, it's an interesting open-ended one. Are Gordon Hughes and Bobrov better than Bergevin Timmons at drafting young talent? Or is it too soon to judge? So I think there's a couple of things. I feel like one of the things that has happened um, over time is that it's become more and more of a question mark about whether or not the Canadians are good at drafting. Uh, because what would happen is, and this has happened to me, like literally in person, I was at some of these drafts covering the drafts and you'll walk away from the drafts and people will be like, Oh, the Canadians got all these steals in the draft, right? They hit home runs. But at the end of the day, when you look at their record and you look at who they're drafting in, in like in that top spot that they get, whether they're drafting at third overall, which they did twice under Bergevin and Timmons, um, or, They're drafting uh, at 31st. Uh, A lot of those picks did not live up to the potential of a pick that's in the teens, right? So like an argument could be made that because, you know, other than those two top three picks, they were constantly picking at like 15, 16, 14 or whatever. So they weren't able to to land those home runs that like they, they were able to turn into stars. Um, because a lot of them didn't pan out. Some of them, there was bad injury luck. Some of them, the development didn't go well. Some of them with caught Kanami, there's probably like a lot of blame to be thrown all around. Um, I think 
the development for me has been a bigger question over time because so sorry let me go back so an argument can be made that because they're drafting so late they're not able to hit home runs but I don't think that that's necessarily true there's a lot of players that get drafted in that you know like let's say top 12 top 15 top 17 top 18 18 depending on the year are you going to tell me that during the entire 10 year tenure of Mark Bergevin that none of the drafts were deep at all all of the drafts were bad I don't think so like all the draft classes were bad. I don't think so. Like there's a lot of home runs to be had. I think the philosophy of the team might've been um, a little bit old school, which I think you have to take the elements that work in today's NHL. And sometimes you have to evolve. I know there's a lot of people like, oh, they only draft small players, enough of these small players. It's not that they're drafting small players, it's they're balancing out their lineup. Like you, if you saw that that behind the scenes clip that they showed of the of the Canadians uh, scouting meetings when they were talking about who they wanted to pick, they did balance skill and size. Like they wanted large guys. It's just that they wanted the large guys that they picked to be able to have skill as well. Um, so I think in the past, a little bit of the skill was sacrificed for size because whenever the Canadians would, um, you know, get get eliminated from the playoffs it would be because some other team pushed them around and reacting to that instead of having an overall identity and philosophy that works is a huge risk so I think that's partly like the organization's philosophy on who to choose uh, and what elements to prioritize but also I think the development really suffered like I don't necessarily think that Trevor Timmons is bad at drafting right like and and you know um it's not he didn't have like a terrible track record and he didn't have an amazing track record it's just that what the canadians would do is that they would get those steals with high upside but those steals with high upside the way that it works is that everything has to go right particularly in their development for them to be able to hit that potential to hit that ceiling or even come close to it so you know, they might have been choosing the wrong players, but they also might have been developing the players incorrectly. And it could a part of it is also the players themselves, right? Like a lot of people like to place blame at um, at Galchenyuk's feet or Kotkaniemi's feet for not panning out based on how a third round, uh, a third overall pick should. But there's two sides to that story. There's two, you know, there's two sides to that coin. So I think it's too soon to compare the current front office with the past front office. But I think the mixed results of the past front office have a lot of elements to them. It's not necessarily selecting the wrong players. It's potentially another pick might have been a better fit for the Canadians. But also if they developed those quote-unquote steals that they got, then maybe we would have had more players that stuck around. Like there's not a whole lot of players like left from the Bergevin uh, and Timmons draft era. Like it's like, you know, there's, there's, there's players that they've traded for. There's Cole Caulfield, obviously a home run. Um, but how many people are still here? How many people panned out? Like Jake Evans is like a, you know, homegrown developed uh, whatever, but like, there's like, there's a significant change in the way this team is being developed now under this new front office. But I still think that the actual drafting record, like who they select at the actual draft versus trade for versus develop versus, you know, sign or whatever. Um, I think it's too soon to tell. And I'll be very excited to have this conversation four years from now, like in the fifth year of the Hughes Gorton Bobrov uh, tenor uh, and Lapointe. Don't forget him. All right, so that was it for today's mail mailbag. Do not forget, though, 
Uh, tomorrow's the last mailbag before the NHL draft of 2023. So please send us your mailbag questions. You can tweet them at us at LO underscore Canadians. You can email us at lockedoncanadians at gmail.com. You can also uh, leave them in the YouTube comments. Just put mailbag questions at the beginning of your questions. So it will go in, in my screenshot folder. So I'll bring it up on tomorrow's episode. Scott will be back with me. And in the meantime, please subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Please tell your friends. Please subscribe on YouTube and hit that bell so you know when we post new content. And very, very importantly, if you like us and you want people to find us, um, leave us good reviews or literally word of mouth. Just tell people about us. You know, retweet our links and things like that. Tell people. Um, and we will all, we will actually, both of us will be back tomorrow. Um, and we're very, very excited to talk about, the to have speculative conversations about the draft. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you tomorrow.